The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. In the ancient teachings of the Buddha that I think are worth considering a bit, one is um, to become independent in the Dharma, and the other is to not depend on anything in the world. The second one is um, uh, appears in the Buddha's instructions on mindfulness practice as a kind of culmination of mindfulness, to not depend on anything in the world. If it was, an, in, if it was um, maybe if the Buddha was speaking in modern United States, he, he would say independent in the world, but uh, it's a little bit more refined, not dependent, anything in the world. And then becoming independent in the Dharma is uh, to have some uh, depth of, or clarity around the practice, to know what it's about, that now it's portable. So you don't depend on anybody, anything. You know for yourself what, how this works, this practice. Many years ago I asked a, a Japanese Zen monk that, uh, how, you know, when does someone become, receive Dharma transmission? When do they become authorized to be a Zen teacher, kind of? And he said, Oh, when they can stand on their own two feet. <laughs> and I thought that was a nice, interesting response. But it's kind of related to this idea of, you know, you know, being not depending on anything or being independent in the Dharma for yourself. You can And what this points to, or, or the reason I, I want to highlight this today, is that uh, on one hand we have in the United States, especially Anglo Saxon kind of Acculturation here in this country, a strong sense of individualism, which is somewhat problematic at times. But it turns out the Buddha also, his teachings about the path to liberation was somewhat individualistic in orientation, in that, uh, you know, it's, it, it's um, not so, so different than, um, you know, if uh, you're going to exercise for your sake of your health, um, you don't ask someone else to exercise for you. I mean, it's a little bit of individualistic thing. It's something you have to do for yourself personally. And so the way the Buddha taught about practice was very personal. And uh, it was something really we discover and do for ourselves. We can do it in community. Community is very important. But there's also something the community can't do for you. And that is that, uh, you know, you, you know, community is not going to exercise for you. You sit on your couch and watch and, think, you know, exercise harder. <laughs> I need more exercise. You go run around the block more. It doesn't, that doesn't work, right? You have some things you have to do. You might exercise as a group, but still, you're, it's something you have to do. And this emphasis that the Buddha had, that this is really something for you not only to practice and do from the inside out, but also to come to a place in the practice that you discover a kind of independence, a kind of an ability to, you know, sit in your, sit, take your place in this world or take your place here, like in the Bodhimanda I said earlier. Like you can really stand in one place and really, you know, feel like I belong, I'm here, and, and I can 
you know, I can hold my ground, I can not be caught by the things around me, I'm here. And, um, and we do that in a variety of ways in this Dharma practice. One way, a fascinating way, is to do that with just the mindfulness practice itself, where the awareness we have is independent of what we're aware of. So we know what's happening, but the knowing is independent of what is known. So when we're, when it's, it's oftentimes the knowing of things is completely entangled with what we know. You know, I, I, I know that person cut me off on the freeway. And, but, but it's not just knowing and it's like, boy, that person cut me off and I'm gonna go and chase the person down and give them a finger. You know, there's, the knowing is entangled with the reactivity. But in its essence, knowing is just to know where there's no reactivity in the knowing. There might be reactivity in our belly after an event like that, but the knowing is, oh, look, my belly is all tense now. That knowing of tension is independent. There's a freedom, there's an independence, there's a peacefulness, there's a calm, there's a clarity. I don't know which of these descriptions works for you, but um, there is a, we learned a kind of, and one, one expression that I learned from Zen, uh, in Japan they have the expression, taking the, in the practice, taking the backward step. And I'm not sure what they meant in Zen, but taking the backward step with awareness, we step away from things rather than being enmeshed in it. And then, because you t- and sometimes you have to take a lot of steps back so you're really removed, in a sense, in the mind, so that you can see with clarity. So you can see without the seeing being somehow entangled with our reactivity, our judgments, our stories, all kinds of things. And so this movement, step back. How far do you have to step back to do that? So that's with awareness. Uh, In other situations in our life, it's maybe with our presence. It's maybe with our confidence. It's maybe with... um, our wisdom, or it's our, that we somehow can be present, and our very sense of presence, our beingness, is not under the sway or under the influence of the conditions around us. There's a way in which we bring with us into the world um, a, maybe a kind of peacefulness, a calm, a dedication, confidence in the practice, that as we show up for different things, um, um, we're not automatically triggered by the events of the world. We can stand there and be present. Um, I've been present, like this, sitting in this posture, very nicely, um, while someone was angry with me. That was fascinating. Uh, the person uh, was angry with me for an hour, and I didn't know how people could have a monologue that lasted an hour. And uh, and I just thought, I thought, this is interesting. And I thought I was interested in someone can do this, how long would it last? And what happened, I was very interested in myself, what's going on in me. And I was very lucky to be in this posture because it's such a place of home for me. That, But I was independent of the person being angry. I was, made me, but that independence made me curious, made me stay present. I didn't shut down, I didn't run away. And finally, after an hour, I was on a retreat. The, um, 
the uh, dinner bell rang. And so that changes everything in the monastery, when the bell rings. So I said, oh, excuse me, the, 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 you know, I, now I have to go. There's the bell rang. So I was allowed to go. So that was very convenient. <laughs> and the next day, the person said to me, Gil, thank you. Um, I've never had that experience before because uh, everyone else always runs away, runs away from me when I'm angry. So that was, you know, she thought it was a gift. I don't know if it helped her in the long term, but... But, uh, it, you know, it, was, it made it possible for me to be present. And so to find this way of being present that's independent, present that is present that's free, it, but it, and some people might think it means being aloof, like you don't care, like you're, you know, you're separating yourself in a way and becoming distant. I'd like to propose that it's the opposite. That um, when we are entangled with people, and our fingers are kind of like, like, like as if our fingers are wrapped around each other and in a grip. You can't pull the fingers apart as long as you're gripping your fingers each. But, uh, but if you pull them apart and then the hands are independent and no longer the fingers are all tangled up with each other, then you can bring your hands together like this. And this is something very different. There's no entanglement but the fingers and the hands are now, you can, express re, you can express respect. And there's something about being independent from others, even in a certain way independent from a, someone like a lover or a partner, that allows for greater respect, allows for greater um, connection, that clinging does not allow that over-identification does not allow. And there's something about becoming independent from others that allows something wonderful to grow and develop in both people and in the relationship that can't happen in other ways. And so what we're doing in mindfulness practice is finding that place of independence, finding that place of where the mindfulness and knowing is independent of what's known, where our stance, our presence in the world, in some way is independent, not dependent on anything. And, and with that, having confidence, having self-understanding, having presence to offer people, then we can come together and maybe we can offer something that we can't offer otherwise. We can offer compassion, respect, Love, we can offer listening and interest and valuing the people we're with and and maybe allow them to discover that for themselves. And then something, a whole different synergy can happen between those two people that can't happen if they're entangled with each other. So becoming independent in the Dharma, not depending on anything in the world, can begin with what we learn in mindfulness practice. And to experiment with your mindfulness. Try out different ways of trying to be mindful. To see like how close you can should you be to your experience, how far away, how where do you find that way where being mindful, you're clearly mindful. You're clear there's a clarity to that connection. But there's also there's independence. There's freedom. And can you, if you find hints of that, 
um, treasure it. If you find hints of that, let it register. Feel the goodness of that. Feel the health of that so that it kind of can grow and become a reference point for your life. So, thank you. <laughs>